1: and welcome to episode 197 of the Talking Chop podcast. I'm your host, Brad Roland. It's been a while for me on the podcast anyway, and joining me today is the great Eric Cole. What's up, man?
2: What's going on, man? Good to hear you again.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's been two weeks for me. I did not make it to the Will Smith Emergency podcast. By the way, if you missed that pod, uh, please go back and listen to it. It's still mostly relevant, I would say. It was Eric and Scott uh, in the aftermath of the Will Smith signing, and uh, we did not record a second time last week because of the fact that nothing happened between men on Sunday, so I just decided to leave it as it was, but uh, a lot of fun was had. I listened. I was a run-of-the-mill listener last week on the podcast, and I, I enjoyed it, Eric, so thank you for doing
2: that. There's nothing run-of-the-mill run of about you, Bradley. Nothing at all.
1: I appreciate that. But, yeah, please, please subscribe to the podcast, by the way, and if you have not already, go ahead and do that, but please go back and check out that podcast. It was fun. And uh, Will Smith on the team. Um, the the Braves then made two signings in the last week or so, including one on Sunday, which was actually well-timed. Rare on this podcast did the Braves do something on Sunday afternoon for us instead of Monday morning after we record on Sunday night. So I really appreciated Yeah, that it's usually move.
2: like an hour after the podcast if it happens on a Sunday.
1: Yeah, or first thing Monday morning or something yeah. like that. Um, so, you know, knock on wood, they could sign Josh Donaldson um, at some point during this podcast um, or maybe after. If they do that, I'll be okay with it. But um, yeah, the, I guess the big headliner for right now, and we'll go back to Chris Martin in a second when we finish this one topic, but uh, Travis Darnot is now a member of the Atlanta Braves. And uh, by the way, unless I missed it, maybe I'm wrong about this because I was out of pocket a little bit on Sunday. Was this another one the Braves just announced themselves?
2: Yeah, uh, and it's this isn't just a Braves thing. It's kind of weird that like, like, Rosenthal's not getting these scoops, not Joel Sherman, uh, not even the ghost of John Heyman, who you know has not exactly been getting the scoops quite as much as of late. You know, it's not beat writers. It's, you know, the White Sox announced the, the grand all-signing. It's It's been kind of a theme now that the teams are just announcing the deals, and it's not something that's leaking to the press. Or if it is, it's, like, immediately before the team's about to announce. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Braves announced this one, came out of nowhere, and, you know, now they have a second catcher. Yes, they do.
1: And um, I was a little bit surprised when I saw this come across. Not shocked, and I processed it a little bit in the last couple of hours since the word uh, broke of this signing. Two years, $16 million, was a little bit more than I expected them to spend on a catcher. Um, I I will say the caveat with that being that Yasmani Grandal is off the market. He signed earlier this week with the White Sox for quite a bit of money, uh, four years and uh, a lot of money, I would say. So I was not upset the Braves didn't go into that sweepstakes based on the number that he got. But with him off the market, you could certainly argue that Darno was the next best available player. Um, you have other options. You know, Jason Castro has been a very popular name, floated out in brave circles. But um, it wouldn't be difficult to argue that Darno was the was honestly the best catcher available free agency-wise free agency um, at this moment. And with the Braves... Potentially seeing him that way, I think you don't give him this contract if you don't think he's the best option available. That's at least the way that I would read that um, considering the market itself. But what did you make of the signing? Because I think he's an inter- interesting player that we'll definitely dive into. But what was your sort of top-line take on this one?
2: I was a little bit surprised. Uh, and again, it was mainly because of what you said. It's just that I just didn't think that they were going to give $8 million a year to a catcher once Grandal side. I just thought it was just going to be a guy. And it was going to be whatever guy that could get on like a one- or a two-year deal for like a cheap deal you know, you know, one of the Alex Avila types or something like that. I just thought that's what was going to happen. Just a guy that can, you know, man the position and that they were going to move on to, you know, different positions to try to spend the money that they're going to end up spending. Um, this isn't an expensive deal. I will say, I mean, I know that like $8 million a year, like, you know, in Braves terms, like, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of wrap your head around giving anyone that much money, but that this is clearly a, been an organizational shift this off season to spend a little bit more money on a per per year basis to kind of get the guys that they want in there they got they pay, they're they paying will smith 13 million dollars a year paying a, a reliever 13 million dollars a year i would have been shocked that if, at the beginning of the off season that the, someone would have told me that they were actually going to do that at all uh and, in addition to giving up a draft pick and then you give up eight million dollars a year to Darno, it's not we, we were talking a little bit about this in the talking Chop slack channel and it's you know, Ivan's like a really really smart guy and kind of takes things from a very sort of like strong analytical viewpoint as to kind of how much guys are probably worth and what his thinking was that maybe it's a little bit of an overpay of like over the course of the entire deal maybe two million dollars. More than maybe he thought that he would get over the court for for on a two year deal, but again that's not a crazy overpay. That's just kind of guaranteeing that they may have paid a little bit more to get the guy they wanted. And this is a guy that you know up until last year was a really good pitch framer, which is something that's really being valued highly across baseball right now. If you look at his Fangraphs war, you know kind of retroactive a bit. You know when he was coming through. You know, and those those lines were getting posted as he was coming through with the Mets, and you know later when he was traded, you know the lines didn't look as good until they started kind of incorporating pitch framing into his catcher war, and it was his time with the Mets was particularly good in that regard. The only thing about him is, is that he's just been injured so much. Uh, you know, missed with Tommy John surgery, had a has had a kind of a slew of little injuries here and there that have kind of taken him out for chunks of time, which is kind of what just happens with catchers, this, unless like the really top end guys. That just managed to stay healthy just got these guys those guys just get dinged up so for a guy that is going to be sharing time with Tyler flowers, I imagine that darno would get the the majority share there because I just don't see running Tyler flowers out there more than fifty or 60 games as a, a good idea unless it's kind of one of those you know he makes you know comes in the last couple innings et cetera et cetera that, that those types of appearances don't aren't necessarily ones that bother me so much with flowers um, it does change some things with the bench because when you had you know Brian McCann and You know, flowers. You kind of had that bench bat option of you know whoever the other catcher was. Uh, These two guys aren't necessarily guys I'm super excited about coming off as bench bats. There's ones at least not ones that have particularly high value. So maybe that maybe changes the roster calculations a little bit. But overall, I'm fine with it. I mean, again, this is the once Grandal signed, the rest of the options just weren't good. They just weren't. You know, I've had people like, you know, like they, the Braves should have traded for Reese McGuire, who's a guy I'm not even sure was even available, and is kind of a young catcher for the Blue Jays, you know, or they should have traded for the guys that the, the White Sox or the Padres have, and you don't know those guys are available, and if you do, if they are available, you don't know what the costs are. So it's not something you can say the Braves should have just done this instead. Um, it does kind of force the Braves' hand, though, a bit, and it comes down it, – it's becoming more and more clear, and it's something we've suspected for a while, is that this offseason is going to be measured by who's playing third base. And who's in the starting rotation? Because if they don't have someone that's, you know, manning the manning third base, that's going to be providing a real bat in the middle of the order, that creates other problems. Because right now your cleanup hitter is Nick Markakis, and that's just not going to work. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, you're, you're that, just trying to get it to me right now, Eric. That was what that I was. I, um, I, I am, I am. And you know, and again, if they if they sign like if they sign Mustakis and then they sign like a higher end starting pitcher or they make a trade and upgrade somewhere that we haven't really predicted, then all those things have to be taken into account. I don't think this move changes any of the calculus because I don't think it's for so much money that prevents them from doing what they wanted to do. And I do think that it's a, you know, he'll, he'll do a decent enough job. I mean, it's friendly reminder. We just had Tyler flowers who had a terrible year offensively and Brian McCann, who was good for about two thirds of the season. And for that last third, you know, it was basically a husk of his former self and they still put up decent numbers. You, the, the bar for what you need from catching is remarkably low. And you, got, and you have two guys in the fold who at least have a history of being strong pitch framers, which is a big part of the value that catchers provide these, in this day and age because since the run, since running games aren't necessarily things that you have to control as much anymore. And Dar- darno has been pretty good at doing that even if, it, that, if that's not the case. What is going to decide this offseason is not this position. So if we end up you know, in February mad about how the offseason's going, at least on my end, it's not going to be because of what's going on at catcher.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I, I do think that, and we've been consistent about this on the podcast for you know three years now. Catcher, like you said, the, the baseline catcher is so low. I, I am gonna say this right now today with with pretty big confidence. Barring major injury, the Braves have an above average catch, catching duo right now. Like that, that's yeah. Full stop. I mean, it's not like they're gonna be the best in the league, you know. And we said this at the same time about Flowers and Suzuki back in the day uh, for basically a two year period. Those guys were not all stars on their own, but when combined, they were two solid options. And most teams, I would say, the vast majority of teams in the in the majors, do not have two solid options. Even and no. the, te- the teams that have stars play them 120 times, so they play they play a lot more. But the other 40 games, they have really bad options usually. And most t- most teams that are trying to split up do not have the talent level that Darno and Flowers have. Obviously, Flowers is a little bit older, and Darno has injury stuff that we're going to talk about in a second, but. I do think the baseline on paper right now is that the Braves—it's not terribly sexy—but they have a above-average catching duo at this moment, and that's that's okay. Like w- once Grandal was off the market, you know, I mean, I guess Trey Trey was an option clearly, but for agency-wise, you just weren't going to do much better than this. And you know, the price tag, like I said before, I was surprised by it a little bit, but in a sport that is not salary cap-driven, um, you know there's always some some uncertainty here like the extra 2 million uh, per season or 1 million per season i don't care about that as long as liberty doesn't make them spend less money i mean that that's the thing that, that we just can't know at this point is what the payroll constraints are you know spoiler alert we're going to get into this a little bit later but i have to assume that payroll is going to go up based on the yes. moves they've done so far uh, it will come back it, to it that it would be bad
2: but, it would be bad if they didn't do that
1: yeah so it kind of remains to remains to be seen how much it's going to go up but I don't care about it be maybe being a million dollar overpay per season. Like I don't I don't mind that. It's not a sport where that really matters uh, necessarily, and they're nowhere near the competitive balance tax, so that doesn't matter. Um, it's all about the money that the ownership group is willing to spend. And Darno, I mean, if you believe in this metric, Fangraphs had him at twelve and a half million dollars of value last year. Uh, he was one point six F WAR in a limited sample size. And, you know, when he's been healthy, that's a big, it's a big if, but when he's been healthy, he's been a good catcher, um, basically for his entire career. He'll be 31 in February, which isn't like super young, but isn't super old either. He's played 500 games exactly. And he's been worth more than 10 war. So if you extrapolate that out over a, you know, 162 game season, which he isn't ever going to play, he's been, he's been basically a three plus win player per full season of Major League Baseball. Um, That's a good player at catcher, particularly. So, I'm not worried about talent whatsoever. Um, as you said before, he has he's had a lot of injuries. The Tommy John is what he recovered from uh, early last season. Once he got dialed in in Tampa Bay when he landed there, I was actually his third team of the season. Once he got there, though, he was awesome. He had a 107, a 107 OPS plus, uh, an OPS near 800 in Tampa over 92 games. So he was legitimately a positive player for the Rays. And, you know, early in his career, it wasn't one thing. That's kind of the weird thing about Darno is that he's had a lot of in, a lot of injuries. I looked this up earlier. He's had injuries, it's it's ten years worth, but to his shoulder, to his elbow, to his hand, to his foot, to his knee, to his back, and he had concussion a, a concussion issue at one point. So that's, like, everywhere on your <laughs> on your body.
2: And I know it's weird to be optimistic about that, because, like, you know, on the one hand, he hasn't been able to stay on the field, but on the other hand, it's not like it's the same thing cropping back up, and you worry about that thing cropping back up.
1: Yeah, it's not, it's not a, uh, like, degenerative condition in one spot that you're really worried about with him. So, I understand the injury-prone argument. I saw a little bit of that on Twitter, and I can't argue with it too much. He does have an injury history. But... As a part-time, you know, fifty-fifty catcher, maybe even he's a little bit sixty-four now, based based on the investment that they're making here. You know, he's not even if he's healthy all season long, he's not going to play more than more than a hundred games. Like that seems like the maximum, barring something weird happen with Flowers. Like it feels like a, probably a like three versus two game split over five. Am I wrong about that? Like I can't imagine him playing more than like hundred and five games max. Even if he's healthy, so uh,
2: I I think that guessing between fifty and sixty games for Flowers is about right.
1: Yeah, so I mean, so, that's, like that's about right. It's not it's not a platoon split because these guys are both right handed. Worth pointing out, Darno is better against lefties in his career, a one ten WRC plus, but he's totally fine against righties too, ninety two WRC plus. And I know that's not an appealing number, but again, at catcher, the baseline is lower, and ninety two WRC plus is just fine at catcher. Like that's not a bad thing at all. So. Yeah. And we, but, could
2: also, and we could also see Alex Jackson and maybe an outside chance of William Contreras as the same time a catcher too. Like it's not something that would be crazy.
1: If they got an injury for sure. I mean I, I think that if they if these guys don't get hurt, if Darno and Flowers are healthy all season, they're gonna be playing, if not hundred percent of the catcher pretty much close to 100% of the catcher, but I that. one one injury, and you do have some depth. I mean, even AA a couple weeks ago talking about how he had depth, but they were definitely going to sign someone. He said, we want our young guys to be the depth, and that's what is going to happen here. Um, so they now have two starting caliber-ish catchers. Darnot is better than Ish. Flowers at this point. I mean, you, uh, we, we all knew that Flowers was not going to be the primary starting catcher.
2: No, never going to happen
1: based on last year but honestly if he's your backup catcher he's awesome as a backup catcher like flowers has he, he
2: for for, for these 60 40 type splits which which we're seeing more and more across baseball or at least guys who have relatively small percentages of the games they catch for a guy who's a really good catcher who can call games pretty well offensive skill set kind of limited uh, occasionally runs into one and he, you know he still hits the ball hard when he hits it uh, and he will draw some walks too. For for the, for that guy for at catcher, th- that is completely fine. Yeah,
1: if he's uh. again, if he's your backup catcher, you're in great shape. I know his offense has not been great, but even then, last season we talked about how much he struggled at the plate. For the full season last year, he had an 88 wRC plus. That is way better than backup catcher normally is er, across baseball.
2: Yeah, usually they're in that 60 to 70 yeah. range. And again,
1: it's you know. a small thing. I understand that, and I know the fan base is like really split on flowers and has been for. His entire time,
2: I think, with the Braves. That that Um, that that first season, he was pretty well liked because like the batting average was high. Yeah, the first two years,
1: you the first two years, yeah, he just objectively hit the ball, so people were not as as bothered about him. But the last okay, so to be fair, the last two seasons, people are really split, which is okay. It's it's basically about what you value. Do you care about the framing? Do you care about you know last year is the pass ball thing, which you know I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. But regardless, my top line thought, it sounds like you agree with this, is that if Flowers is your backup catcher that's that's a great thing it's not a problem whatsoever and darno if he is healthy man like is a good player but I mean, let's talk about him a little bit more as a player he has a career 97 wrc plus um so basically you know almost league average that's again a big win at catcher if it's a real number and defensively he rates as a positive player in every season so far of his career now i'm not going to claim to be an expert on his defense but if you look at all the advanced numbers that i look at it's definitely not bad defense like he's not like a question mark on defense. You can you can kind of debate about how good he is Do you have thoughts on how good he might be defensively and there's sort of a framing comes I guess a conversation around his framing happening right now that I haven't seen too much of but I guess that's a point of contention with him
2: Well, it's more that he had good framing numbers But I think people are a little bit skeptical of framing numbers in general right now and that the framing numbers dropped off last year now my thinking with the with that, why his numbers f- dropped off last year is that he had to manage three different pitching staffs last year, and that you know when you're talking about pitch framing and you're talking about understanding where guys generally like to throw the ball and how the ball comes in and how to kind of you know steal those strikes, get the extra inch in towards the zone or moving the ball back up and things like that, it matters a lot as to kind of knowing what your guys are going to throw and what they're going to be doing and being able to anticipate that a little bit. And I could see where it'd be a little more difficult to like be an elite pitch framer or at least be a good one. Um, so I think that he's going to end up being a good pitch framer. It's, it's hard to be elite, right? Like there's just those, those elite guys, you know, ones on the Braves team. I mean, that's one thing Flowers is really good at is is pitch framing. Uh, even if you have issues with the, the other things that he does, but in terms of his defense, the one thing I looked at and I kind of noticed is that it doesn't seem that people are running on him a ton, which does seem to help his case a little bit, right? Like, you know, you'll see guys running on him, and his, like, hot ceiling numbers look fine, but the thing that I noticed is that the, the samples were relatively small. It's not like guys are constantly trying to test his arm, and, you know, like, you know, so, you know, you'll see, like, those, like, you know, like, guys run th- 50 times in a year, and they'll get caught 20 times, but what a lot of that tells me is that there's going to be, the, there's a reason why they're trying to run on the guys, because they think that he doesn't have a good arm, or that he can't make the throw to second, or whatever, whereas Darno, it just doesn't seem like they're running on him a whole lot, um, which seems to think that at the very least there's not going to be a lot of guys who are going to be like itching to like test his arm you know, who maybe shouldn't be running in the first place, which is overall, I think is a good thing. You know, I, I don't think I, again, I can't speak to like how he looked in Tampa. I just didn't watch that many Tampa Rays games. I know this is a shock to a lot of you. Uh, it's not <laughs> something I, I didn't exactly, I wasn't like scouting him in a year in advance or anything like that, but you know, overall, I mean, I, I think he's a fine defensive catcher and for a guy that you're going to run out there for a, probably in the lion's share of a, of a, Kind of a platoonish type thing. Um, I know there's some folks who were like, you know, he's no, he's right handed. You know, how can it be a platoon? I'm like, if you can, the number of guys who hit left handed, and especially if they throw with their left handed, also catch is very, very small. So this, you know, it's not, it was never going to be a true platoon lefty versus righty type thing.
1: I mean, you know. they, they just, they, they just, I mean, last year they had Buchan, but the, the two previous years it was Suzuki and Flowers who were both right handed. This is not a revolutionary idea.
2: (laughs) No, no, it's not. If you were looking for like a lefty that hits for power and stuff like that, you know, McCann just retired and he hasn't been that guy for a couple years anyway. And again, the number of guys who actually can do that and hit from the left side is just incredibly small. And if you're, if that's what you're wanting, then you're either going to have to play an absolute premium for it or you're just not going to get them. So you know, for the guy that you're gonna get, what you the, the Braves seem like they're gonna have to end up getting after Grendahl was off the market, and again, he signed for a lot of money. And I would say that I would prefer to have Darno. I'll, I'll say this carefully. I think that there's a mo a, there's a lot of scenarios where I would prefer to have Darno on this deal than Grendahl on his deal. The I mean, one that I, he ended up signing with, with the White Sox.
1: I, I was gonna ask you that just because, you know, every caveat is in play here where. I am operating under the assumption that there is a fixed salary limit. Right. Um, obviously, Grandal is a better player. No one is saying otherwise. And if money doesn't matter at all to you, which it, it shouldn't matter because it's not your money. But if we assume that there is some sort of salary limit, then you have to consider how to allot that money. It's not the Yankees of old where you could just buy everybody. buy everybody. So with all of that said... I could certainly make the argument that two-year $16 million for Darno is a better value than the four-year fully guaranteed deal that um, Grandal got. Now, again, Grandal is a better player, but given the constraints that we think are in place for the Braves, I could certainly argue on behalf of Darno over Grandal. Again, he's not a better player, but just with all that we know right now, it, it kind of makes some sense. And honestly, again, like... Who did you want the Braves to sign? Is my is my question to people. Even if you just even if I grant you that it's a slight overpay, like it's basically Jason Castro. Like who else is available? Like, is is Jason Castro better than Travis Arnault? Like, sure, you could argue that he is, but not by much. If you even if you think that, I wouldn't say that flatly. And if you want to say you prefer that, okay, I understand, but it's not like there's a big Chasm there, like Darno a good player.
2: Is that, just, at, at that point, it's just a matter of preference, yeah. And there's and there's and there's reasons for it, but you know, like you know, Darno's injury history is real, yes. and you have to wonder about whether or not his success in with Tampa is going to translate over to the same level of, of success with the Braves. Now, if that happens, then the Braves actually got a steal because again, talking about a, a catcher that had an, you know an eight hundred OPS, right? But the again, there's permutations where like if you sign grandall like what does that mean for what the Braves do? Does that mean that they can't sign Donaldson? Maybe that, that – that seems likely in that scenario. If they had signed the same deal, Grandal to the same deal. Now does that mean that they can still sign Mostakis? Maybe, and maybe Grandal and Moustakis is better. But what we know is that the Braves have signed – Darno, which I do think makes it more likely that they can re-sign Donaldson or make a play for someone even better/slash more expensive than that, because simply they're paying him less money. It's just full stop. That's what they're doing.
1: I mean, you get. I mean, Grand, got a four-year guaranteed contract worth a lot of money at 31, at catcher. Like that. That's a lot of money. It's four years, seventy-three million dollars. That's a lot so of it, money. He got paid. Like I, I'm not saying he's not worth it because if he's, if he's the guy he's been the last couple of years, he is worth that much money. But. It's, I can see the argument against that. Like, if the Braves had signed him to that contract, I think the majority of people that are Braves fans, in my experience, would not have liked that contract.
2: I think they would have been excited about it in the, at the time, but then the end results of what they could do well, yeah, after the fact. His, his
1: first slump, it would have been like, oh my God, four years, $73 million. Um, Well, it's
2: more just like, you know, well, does that mean who do we have playing? Through? Who can we afford to Well, play yeah, eights? that's the thing.
1: I mean, and, that's the question that we're going to get to later. But, like, again, if we assume relative constraints, I, I just don't see a scenario where you spend the money that they spent on the bullpen already, which we're going to come back to with Chris Martin in a second. Plus Grandall plus Donaldson. That just doesn't seem like a thing. Like that doesn't seem like it's possible within the constraints that we at least are assuming.
2: So, I mean, and again, if and the, and the Braves decide to go wild and like you know push right up to the luxury tax, please, please do that. <laughs> you know, then I'll be like, well, if we're going to do that, why don't we just get Grandall too? But you know, again, yeah. you know, you, you know, money is a finite thing. How finite it is is an open question, I think, because the, 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 these moves just don't feel like a team that's just not willing to spend the rest of the way now, too.
1: That is a that is a very good tease, and we're going to hold people to that, right? We'll come back to that in a second, Eric. But let's go to a break real quickly. So here's a word from our sponsors. We'll come right back, talk more, uh, talk more about payroll and Chris Martin, etc., etc. So hold on tight.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge...
1: All right, Eric. Um, as we were saying, uh, there's a lot of money talk. There already there already was, but uh, particularly after the Martin signing in the bullpen. Um, by the way, Chris Martin got two years and $14 million. That is a deal that I thought was perfectly reasonable. It didn't seem like it was an overpay really at all. It seems like a pretty appropriate contract. But when paired with the big deal for Will Smith, the big deal that you already owe Mark Melanson, and what we're we're all sort of assuming is about a six and a half, seven million dollar commitment to Shane Green. About forty million dollars now in four relievers for twenty twenty. Now, they're all good, and I think it's not hard to argue that they're all value or close to it on their contract. Melanson's probably the closest to not being value, but still, they're all good pitchers, and you want to have a good bullpen, and clearly that was a uh, area that they wanted to address after last winter when they didn't do that, but I mean, forty million dollars on four guys with the other issues that you have raise some eyebrows. I was I was cool with the with the Martin contract. I was cool with the Smith with the Smith contract, but uh, it's time to talk about payroll. Um, I guess let's talk about Chris Martin first. What do you make of the contract before we before we before we ignore him completely? I don't want to do that to Chris Martin, who I think is good. So, what do you make of that deal on its own? Then we'll sort of shift to payroll.
2: I mean, I thought he was going to get six to seven million dollars a year um i that's because again he was just good at what he was you know he, he's not your you know the guy that you're setting up in the most high leverage of situations but he's a guy that you if you have to throw him up in those situations you don't feel terrible about it you know he, he i i always kind of i liked him a lot just because of the re- reverse splits thing and i just i like reverse splits guys just in general just because it's funny to me but you know for now you have you know, lefties and righties or at the, in the bullpen particularly, and then you have a, a righty who can also get lefties out. So if for whatever reason one's not available, then you feel like pretty good about those scenarios, especially when you feel like maybe Newcomb's going to get a shot in the rotation, that you feel like you have some really high-quality arms to go against whatever the situation presents itself, and all those guys have the ability to like kind of get through a clean inning regardless of whether it's a lefty or a righty up there. So, you know, from a baseball standpoint, you have to feel very good about the back end of the bullpen. Um, it's going to be the best the Braves have had in a long time, assuming that they don't non tender Green or something else happens I mean, it, there.
1: it's one of the best in baseball on paper. The, the, those four guys at the end of the bullpen, you know, there are a couple teams that have similar or better, uh, like maybe the Yankees for instance, if they keep everybody. But that's one of the top five, four man groups in baseball at the end of, at the end of the game. Like they have four above average relievers, and teams don't usually have four of those guys. They don't have Plus the objection. lights out closer. I understand that, but. Just a bunch of good players, man. But I mean, by the way, and if you if you throw in Sean Newcomb, if he's still there, like that that five man group becomes pretty.
2: Luke, Luke Jackson too.
1: Yeah, Luke Jackson. I mean, Darren O'Day is like the seventh reliever. Is like good. Yeah, the bull, the bullpen looks good. It looks very good, particularly if Newcomb is still there. Like, and even even without him, even if he ends up starting, which we'll get to in a second. Um, regardless, this is a good bullpen and we talked a lot last winter about how bad it looked and by the way we were 100% right about it for about 2 months and then they made and then they made a bunch of trades but this year is it's night and day man the bullpen is honestly at this moment the best part of the team <laughs> like pretty clearly i think uh,
2: top 3 hitters the top 3 hitters in the well, lineup. well yeah i, I mean that, i'm right? saying
1: of the of the three like groups lineup rotation oh, bullpen fair enough, fair enough, fair enough, bullpen fair enough. is better than lineup i understand the top 3 hitters are awesome there's no one that would question that but you know, if you factor the factor them in alongside the rest of the lineup right now, <laughs> I wouldn't say that that's better than the bullpen. I think the bullpen is the strength of the team at the moment.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, we can talk. We it's always fair to talk about like how much value it's, sem- it's like, semantics it's, like, for sure. Well, yeah. Well, that like the like even if like your bullpen's really good, how much more are they really going to be able to give you versus what you know a guy like a Ronald Acuna Jr. or a Freddie Freeman's going to be able to give you just by himself? But I mean, yes, in terms of like the in terms of the actual position groups, the bullpen appears to be a strength. Now it, there is kind of this weird open question as to whether or not the Braves are going to either trade or like non-tender Shane Green because of money issues. Okay. I think that just kind of comes. I mean, it's possible uh, because he, he's going to be he's going to get real money in arbitration. But I do think that I take AA at his word that right now they're looking to add to the bullpen. Uh, well, and obviously they've done that right. Um, and you know, again, the Chris Martin deal is one that I'm fine with. It's not for a crazy amount of money, but they've invested a lot of money in bullpen. And now they're opening day, like their, their payroll as of right now, without a starting third baseman and without, you know, at least one rotation piece, you probably, you probably end up getting two is their p- payroll is right where it was at, at the start of the season last season. And, you know, you can make your jokes about financial flexibility and all that stuff, but this does not, these moves, you don't make these moves. With the holes you have, unless you're not willing to spend significantly more money, I just don't think that happens. Now, if what happens is like they sign some replacement le- level third baseman, or you know they re- you know they decide to platoon Camargo and Austin Riley over there, and then they only go with young guys in the rotation, I take that all back, and I'll be just as upset as everyone else. will be. <laughs> But but I don't think that's going to happen. I just don't. I think that they really do want Donaldson back, and unless he gets you know a really like a crazy offer from you know a team like the Rangers or something like that where you know if they give him like four or five years or something then you know you can't you can't sign him to that but if he you know if they if the, the deal is relatively close to what they think he's worth then I think that they'll end up signing him back that's my gut feeling right now is that they're willing to spend that kind of money to bring him back uh, and then the rotation you know after that it kind of depends on how much more they're willing to spend per year and <laughs> that's and that I, I wish I had a great answer to it, other than I get the feeling that the Braves are probably willing a little more willing to spend right now than some people are giving them credit for. And all of the stuff about what how they've spent money in the past and how unwilling they've been look, Anthopoulos the last offseason, it was all about value. It was all about making sure that, you know, he was getting you know, not paying, you know, long-term deals and not putting a bunch of money down for guys that he that had real risks of not putting the, you know real value on the field. Uh, whether it's because they were older or whatever you know this feels different you don't these moves don't make sense unless you're willing to make upgrades elsewhere because like these are like the moves that you make at the end of an off season to like finish off a a, a, a roster to make a world series run you know like okay now we've got our big time reliever now we've got a catcher that we know is that we have a good feeling about that at least provide some real value are they doing it in kind of a weird backwards order? Maybe, and maybe it kind of you know puts themselves in some weird negotiating positions in terms of everyone seems to think that it looks like they're trying to go for it, and that's what seems like that, you know both the ownership and you know Liberty Media and what Anthopolis has said. All that seems to think like they're really going to try to make a push this offseason. the 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 thing that's just going to mess everything up in terms of predicting who or what that could be is going to be trades and you know given that the 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 40-man roster looks awfully clogged right now even if you take like rafael ortego off the 40-man roster and even if you know you know the john ryan murphy's of the world and things like that you know it does feel like that there might a little bit of clearing might end up happening and whether that means you designate guys for assignment and get them off the 40-man so you can make room for additions or whatever it's I, I will say that this is a really interesting payroll uh, place because it does not feel like – and again, this could come back to being wrong and that they just go cheap everywhere else. And again, my tone about the situation would be vastly different if the big signing of the offseason was Will Smith, Right. Yeah. Because that that because that means that they didn't get Josh Johnson, They definitely didn't get Mike Mustakis either. Uh, they didn't get any of the top free agent that you know in the rotation for third base or wherever. They didn't upgrade in the, the outfield. They signed Mark- Nick Markekis back. He's going to be batting cleanup unless Austin Riley comes you know and breaks out or something like that. If all that happens, then I'll be just as frustrated as anyone else. I just don't think that happens, and from a logical standpoint, it just doesn't feel like that's going to be what's happening.
1: Yeah, I I tend to agree. Obviously, I am a famous skeptic when it comes to this team spending money because it's a faceless corporation that I don't trust to spend money. But the moves, like you're saying, definitely forecast a raise in payroll. Like, it's just the way that they're operating right now. And by the way, Mike Plant, a famous Braves executive, gave the following quote to the AJC this week or somewhere. At least they got it from somewhere else. uh, And it, it, it was, quote, we're set up to win and we're going to go after it, end quote. That made the rounds, and rightfully so. You know, i the question really is the degree of whether they're going to go for it, because honestly, with the payroll where it is right now, somewhere in the 114, 115 range, they almost have to have a higher payroll than they did last year. Um, at least, Pretty much. At least to open the season. I Because even if they don't make another big move, which would frustrate everybody, they have to pay somebody to start baseball games as a pitcher. Like Even if they did the unthinkable, in my opinion, and went to a Riley Camargo platoon at third base, They don't have starting pitchers that can that that can fill two spots. I can't imagine they're going to open the season saying with a straight face that we're trying to contend for a World Series and have two of the kids in the rotation from day one. That would just stun me, honestly.
2: One is not crazy. One like if you if you really believe yeah one one is
1: not insane to me. But two two would be insane to me. Like I I guess okay. Here's the way they could do it. If if I'm going to be as pessimistic as possible, you go into the year. Um, somebody somebody cheaps out somewhere, and you go with Riley Camargo at third base, Nukem as the four starter, and the kids at the fifth starter. <laughs> That's the nightmare scenario. I,
2: I, I want to go ahead and call dibs on the podcast if that, if happens. that happens. Yeah, oh it would be it,
1: no, it's not, and it's I, not going to. I, I, I'm I tr- I'm trying doing. to be in, uh, sort of intentionally ridiculous on that because they're they're gonna like like we said, they're gonna pay somebody else. I don't know if it's gonna be Donaldson. I don't know if it's gonna be Mustakis. I mean. Would it stun you, Eric, if they went a little bit cheaper at third or starting pitcher right now? Because that's the thing. That's the question that I have. Are they willing to spend on both of them still, based on everything else that they've done? Because they've now spent real money on the bullpen. They spent more than we thought at catcher. Does that mean you have to go a little bit cheaper? Like, is the four-starter Julio Tehran, for instance? Like, that? that's an option that's on the table for you. If they wanted to go out and spend $8 million on Julio Tehran. Like... I'm not saying they're going to do that, but is that something that would surprise you now if they went a little bit cheaper on the other spots that are glaring holes?
2: It wouldn't surprise me if they – they're going to spend on one of those positions. I agree. I, I, th- look, let's just go ahead and say that. I think they're going to – if something weird were to happen, like for example, like there were like rumors that were kind of like circulating around that Marcelo Zuna was on their radar, which is like – that's an outfield position that, you know – That's basically they, probably, a, they prob- uh,
1: you have, you have to trade somebody for that to make any sense. Oh.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, well yes and again like ender ncrt has kind of like been <laughs> i guess perpetually on the theoretical be, trade the block one. forever yeah yeah um or if like you know they, they did the ultimate bait and switch and like traded away nick Markakis or something which that would not happen that, not that, that would be high comedy but that that's not going to happen not a chance uh, um so again ncrt would probably be the guy that you trade away in that scenario um and again if like, you get to pay ozuna then you know maybe then yeah i could see that you know it'd be really hard to kind of spend a lot of money on like another, like on both of those, either a starting pitcher or a third baseman. Um, You have to, you have to, you'd have to pick one. I don't think you could do both in that scenario. Or again, if a trade happens where they take on a contract, that's like, you know, significant, um, you know, famously, you know, names like Francisco Lindor and, you know, Mookie Betts are like perpetually thrown around. Chris
1: Bryant is available as well. Apparently. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And again, if if those things happen, then, you know, Everything the whole calculus kind of changes, but if we're just talking about free agency, I could see a scenario where both got, they they like they, they sign like a really good at one and a pretty good at the other. It's hard for me to see a scenario where they they sign both. I'd be thrilled if they did.
1: I mean, like, hey, like here's
2: the, high end guys.
1: Yeah, here's what here's what I don't see, and I'm by the way, I am happy to be wrong about this. I think if it's Donaldson, then you're going to see a a lower cost option at starting pitcher.
2: We might see Julio back.
1: That would that would be the one that would be the most obvious because of the relationship there and the trust factor they probably have with him. But the thing is, okay, pencil in. I can't imagine Donaldson is signing for less than twenty million dollars per season. No. So if we say twenty, just to be as generous as possible, twenty for Donaldson, You're at one thirty-five. With with no starting pitcher signing, and nothing else. That's like you probably have some holes. You know, I just can't, you know, what are you going to do there? Like, I can't imagine they're going to come out and spend 20 more million dollars on a starting pitcher. Like, maybe they will. And, again, they, they're making so much money right now um, on the ballpark. They made a lot of money last year, for instance. Revenue went up, etc. Maybe they really are going to give them a lot more wiggle room. And if, that, if that's the case, then that'd be awesome for the team and the fans and everybody. But that's a lot. I mean, going from one from somewhere in the 130 range to the 160 range is not a small jump. Um, and you would need to go to the 160 range if you were going to sign Donaldson and try to make a splash as starting pitcher. Like, they might do that still, but, uh, yeah, that's what I don't see happening. I'm happy to be wrong. But, you know, it's, I think Donaldson and Julio would be interesting, just bringing the band back together. Uh, Moustakis and your favorite starting pitcher, X, would be an interesting combination as well, I will say. Um, I think your offense isn't obviously going to be as dangerous if you don't have Donaldson in the middle of the of the offense, and that's the competition for another day. But I don't know, man. I'm conflicted because even if they sign Donaldson, I won't be thrilled about the offense.
2: So the, the, the way <laughs> the the only way that this team, how do I put it, the only way this team is as good as they were last year on paper, on a, again let's just assume that everyone's production is relatively the same, right? Or or at the very least, or or, at the very least it trends in the same direction. Sure. They're going to have to spend significantly more money or make a big, or make a big trade to be as good or better. I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah. The the bullpen,
1: the bullpen would be if you took out the bullpen from the first two months, (laughs) which they kind of have obviously, um, the bullpen on paper now is basically the bullpen that they had um, from July on, but maybe even a little bit better.
2: Uh, I would say it's better.
1: Yeah. I mean, you throw in, Will, basically, you have Will Smith um, and everybody else. So you're better. I'm just saying, like, that gives you a little bit more wiggle room. But, you know, famously, this was kind of a four man offense last year. And three of those guys are back, and you know they're back. But the fourth is maybe not. And,. There's not a guy on the market that the Braves have remotely been linked to that is likely to produce what Donaldson produced last year. By the way, that includes Donaldson.
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, it's not. And again, they would have to get a guy like, you know, get like Mustakis and Ozuna. And then the offense is like legitimately, like, an entirely different conversation.
1: I think part of this is that, like you said, and this is something we have to, I guess, keep saying just so people understand this. Trades are another issue. Like, we just are not going to know. Until we get a rumor, like, I'm not going to guess about a trade they're going to make. Like, I'll, I'll just be wrong most of the time. Trades are the ultimate X factor here. Like, certainly they could move Ender arte and change the outfield. And that would be a, a move that would change the calculus. Um, They could move somebody else that we're not seeing company. But until then, what we know right now is the free agents that are available and the spots that are sort of open for the Braves. And that at the moment, that is third base and starting pitcher because you know, they could open the season with the outfield they currently have. They have it's it would be it would be Ender and Center, it would be Duvall and Marcus Mar- in a platoon in the corner and Ronnie and Ronnie in the other corner. like that's not going to be a surprise to me anyway if that happens. So put that on the table and the rest of the infield, you know, at the moment is set with Dansby, Ozzy, and Freddie and catchers. So there you go. I mean, the curveball could be coming, no question about that. We've now seen that Anthopolis likes to work in the shadows, which is good. Um, I like that about the GM. But uh, yeah, from our from our standpoint, we have to talk about third base and starting pitcher because that's just all there is to talk about right now. <laughs> it's like those are the spots well, we all know
2: it. Well, yeah, and it's just you don't I mean it's even the teams that are, like have pieces available. You know, like people have like mentioned. You know, obviously before they signed, uh, you know they. They they end up signing Darno, you know, like, you know, should the Braves trade with, you know, to get Austin Renfro or, or I'm sorry, Hunter Renfro, or should they go to get uh, like Austin Hedges or should they go to get, um, you know, James McCann from the White Sox and things like that. Like the availability of those guys is very questionable at best. And we just don't know exactly who, like what people are asking for in terms of like trade, like trade returns. And that is largely because the price of players in general is so hard to peg right now because of how off seasons have gone. It's November price, also. <laughs> well, it, 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 Look, it's the end of November. We start to start seeing more deals made kind of around this time it, through the winter meetings in the usual circumstances. What has been happening though, is that we don't see prices set on guys via free agency until like late January, early February. And by then, you know, teams might be wanting to go, well, maybe we could do better at the trade deadline or maybe we could, you know, get a better deal or maybe we're just going to decide to sit with what we got and hope that we can get a wild card berth, et cetera, et cetera. It, there, it's really hard to set prices in trades right now, period. Especially since it seems like teams are really putting pre- price premiums on the prospects that they have. You know, the, the White Sox are getting like, you know, for the McCann that they, they might've asked for Christian Pache, you know what I mean? And you know, the Braves are just never going to do that. No. But you know, if that's what they want, then that's just deal that's never going to happen. You know, same thing with like you know these guys like Chris Bryant or Mookie Betts. I mean, those are high-end players. I mean, do those teams really want to go back to their fan bases and say, "Don't worry, guys, we don't have to spend it, pay those guys thirty million dollars next year"? And we got two guys that haven't played above high A yet. You know, that's not that the, there's a PR thing about you know trades these days that makes it really hard to make the trades work in general. And unfortunately, that's just kind of where we are right now in terms of we won't know what pra- packages are really being discussed because all that information is being held up is being held tightly because they don't want have to deal with the backlash from fans where Brad and I, and I don't think anybody really is going to be like saying, this is what a deal that would land this guy. No. This is the, you know what I mean? Other than deals that would be so lopsided one way or the other, you know what I mean? And those deals would just never happen. You know, I get proposals from, like, random other player, player fan bases. They're like, uh, do you think a, a, you know, a deal that would include Christian Pache, Drew Waters, and Ian Anderson gets the deal done? And I'm like, I'm sure your team would be happy about it, but I don't think there's any chance that the Braves would do it. And it's because that's three top 100 guys. And to give up that kind of package, you need to get a guy who, like, has a ton of team control and all this other stuff because prospects have such high value right now. So trades are the, the thing that are going to be the hardest thing for us to peg – Especially since they can change so much. If you change trade inter-NCRT, that frees up an outfield spot, and all of a sudden there's like an entire swath of the free agent market and the trade market that becomes available to you. Right now, all we have available to us is that Anthony Rendon's going to be the best third baseman in the market. There's basically a zero chance that they're going to they're going to pay him because he's a Scott Boris client. He's not going to sign until probably February, and he's going to sign for a ton of money. And then you know Josh Donaldson, who I think is it's still likely that he ends up becoming a Brave, but it's not a given. And then Mike Mustakis. So those are like the three names we can talk about right now realistically. And then on the starting pitcher, you know, we have the top end of the market with the Garrett Coles and Steven Strasburgs of the world, which, again, I think the Braves are priced out of because they're just going to be too expensive for most teams. And I think, frankly, priced out of common sense. But then you have guys like Zach Wheeler and, you know, in that in Madison Bumgarner and in that price range becomes more likely and then possibly lower than that if they feel like they're getting a deal that they like. So. You know, those are the guys we can talk about right now because ultimately, talking about the trade market feels like a fool's errand because there's so many teams that have like an outside chance of being competitive, or at the very least, they want to keep guys around so they're competitive enough to keep their fan bases happy. That to get the guys that you think would be just sh- should be available or should be readily available just may not be.
1: Yeah, my my general operating on this, and I'll say this basically through the, throughout the rest of the off season, is that until there is a real rumor reported by someone that would know or I guess unless I hear something or you do off off the record somewhere, um, I'm going to not talk about trades unless we just know more information. Like, if somebody asks, like, would you be interested in a player? And then sure, I'll, I'll we'll answer that or whatever. But in general, like, I'm not going to just make up trade scenarios. Like, that doesn't do me any good, honestly. It's just like... Could they be relatively informed? Sure. But until we get some actual reporting that the Braves are in on a guy, by the way, which doesn't hardly ever happen in this regime. They don't like nope. to talk.
2: I mean, I mean, with really a lot with a lot of teams now, like it, like deals and trades just aren't being broken. Like, I feel if like we're not. spoiled at the moment because we've gotten real
1: stuff to talk about now for three or four weeks in the off season in a row. Um, that's going to stop at some point because the numbers just don't bear it out. Like, the Braves can't make a signing every week the entire off season. (laughs) Like they're not going to do that. And right now they are three for three, three weeks in a row on signings. Um, That's not going to keep going, but uh, while it's happening, we'll, we'll take it. I I enjoy the content. Um, And maybe we'll just get a real rumor or two every week. And that'll carry the carry the day. But I mean, I feel, I feel pretty good. I mean, I guess that's the way the sort of wrap this up, Eric is, How do you feel about all this right now, knowing everything that we've said about the uncertainty with everything? Honestly, I'm pretty positive about the way this is going. Um, All the tea leaves out there, I'm allowing myself to think that the Braves could and maybe will spend to a level that is commensurate with going for it, Whatever, whatever going for it means. Honestly, going for it for me on the team that just won 97 games is going for the World Series and spending like you're going for the World Series. And I'm hoping that's what they mean. But until they do it, there is some uncertainty, but I actually feel pretty good. I mean, I've liked all the moves in a vacuum. They've added a bunch of good players on reasonable contracts. No absolute heist yet in the way that they had got some extensions done in the last year with, with Ronnie and Ozzy. But all these deals are deals I um, sign off on. Like They're not ridiculous value, but when you're signing for agents in November, you're not going to have that, and they just got a bunch of good players.
2: Yep. I mean, they got they made some improvements in some areas. That is always good. Uh, for me, it's just going to come down to what the lineup looks like and what the rotation looks like, and that's just going to come down to third base in the rotation and what happens in free agency and trades. So, like all these moves are completely fine. They're just they just are in the vacuum, like you said. The the ultimately what's going to be the, none of the moves have been made so far make or break the offseason. No. I'm not going to look back on the Will Smith signing and go that was. The biggest, if if that is what we do, is that we look back and go, the biggest addition they made, the Braves made to the roster, is adding Will Smith, then that is a disappointment.
1: Unless, but unless, just, unless you mean, you said addition, so I'm trying to make sure people don't yell at you. Um, you would be counting Donaldson as an addition, for instance. Like, he's not an addition because he, he was on the team last year, but he is an addition if they sign him. Is that, is that that's what you're saying, right?
2: That, that, that's, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. I mean, because again,
1: like, I just want to make sure that you're saying, like, you know, I don't want someone to come with as a semantic police. If they sign Donaldson, that is not that, like that, that counts. You know what I mean? Like,
2: that Oh yeah. No, he is not on the team. Right. Now. <laughs> right. He's, he's, he's just not, he
1: is, he is. He's not, I guess he's not technically an addition cause he's returning, but he's not currently on the team. So I want to make make sure people
2: understand yes. what you were saying. Then. Signing Donaldson is good. Yes. <laughs> if that is the biggest free agent contract that they sign this off season and What's they what? don't make a trade, that is bad. Yes. But I, but Everything about these moves, like, again, these are the types of moves that you normally would make to kind of round out a roster to kind of, like, get that over the hump. If you do these and then you don't, like, fill third base with, like, a really good player or you don't add a really big piece in the rotation or something like that, these moves just don't make very much sense. They just don't. And if that's the case, then, you know, by all means, you know, fire off your angry tweets at will. But right now I am with you (laughs) that this is a very – this is the trajectory that you would want to see for a team that seems like they're about to make a bunch of noise. And it feels like that they are because the Braves, of the White Sox have been by far the most aggressive teams so far this off season. Now they've been, you know, it's been a little bit weird in terms of why, how the White Sox have gone about it. Like they, they signed Grandall, but they've also kind of, you know, been locking up their own guys and kind of, it feels like that they're trying to make a playoff push too. So it kind of adds some more bitters to the, the fray then. And the White Sox seem to have more money than sense at a lot of times. You know, it's it's a it's a very interesting and I think positive direction the Braves are going in. Now, I freely admit that that also means that there's a chance that if they don't continue on this trajectory and the logical steps that they're taking, and instead like go cheap, you know, at at some really key areas, then it could end up being a bad off season. But it just doesn't feel like that's what's going to happen.
1: Yep, I uh, I'm with you on that. I think uh, we will definitely see, and we'll be talking about it throughout. The winner, and I hope the disastrous scenario of uh, Sean Newcomb opening day four starter and uh, the Riley Camargo platoon that we talked about is not going to come to fruition because that would... Dibs. Dibs. Uh, (laughs)
2: Just sit back and enjoy. I'm going to be yelling for about an hour.
1: I am. uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the podcast that we do in January when they haven't haven't signed a third baseman yet, breaking down the Camargo-Riley platoon as the uh, primary option because that's going to be coming. Um, I have a feeling. So, yeah, it's been... Oddly fast for the Braves. I mean, not not a ton else has happened, honestly. I mean, Grandall signed, but the Braves are uh, leading the clubhouse right now in terms of Major League Baseball in making moves in the in the offseason. So it's been interesting for us. I will say that. Like make they've they've now made I mean, they've made three like real free agent signings before Thanksgiving. That's not something I anticipated, I'll be honest with you.
2: No, I mean, I, if, I I thought that Donaldson could have gotten announced early, but his market has been good and, you know, been active enough where it kind of makes sense for him to wait.
1: We have th- And by the way, three of them, I mean, sorry, two of the three were n- outside the team. Like if they had re-signed Donaldson and Martin fast, that wouldn't have stunned me because those guys were on the team this year. They have working relationship, et cetera. Two of the three were not previous relationship guys. Like they were just free agents that are out there.
2: And one of those one of those, was a reliever that I would have bet a significant sum of money was just going to sign his qualifying offer.
1: I mean, yeah, the combination of that and the fact that Braves had never paid a reliever in my lifetime, essentially. Like, it, they don't pay relievers. So it's just a... I didn't say that on the podcast because I wasn't here, but that was the biggest jarring thing for me as a semi-old person. Like, wait, the Braves signed a reliever to a big contract? That that doesn't happen. They don't. They don't do that. Yeah, I mean, so, the
2: closest it was when they traded for Melanson. Honestly, like, yeah, I mean, have...
1: and at least they traded for that. Like, they, they've, to my knowledge, they've never actually given out a free agent contract in my lifetime. The Atlanta Braves to a reliever that was a multi-year big contract. It just doesn't. They don't do that.
2: No, I don't think so. So uh, no one comes to mind anyway.
1: That's done me. But anyway, I mean, I, I was okay with it. Spoiler alert. But uh, yeah, there you go. One more time, go listen to that podcast with uh, Eric and Scott. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Eric, I'm kind of out of takes. Unless you have something else to add for right now, I'm going to save some bullets for the future. We could certainly dive deeper into certain elements of the off season, but it's not even it's not even Thanksgiving yet, and uh, we got to pace ourselves because, like I said, the moves are going to slow down at some point.
2: Yeah, I think that anyone who's being super self-congratulatory or super angry about the moves that have been made so far, I think is in for a long offseason, simply because I just don't think that any of these moves are the ones that are going to be kind of making or breaking what's going to be happening this offseason. So to those of you who are like super excited about what's happening, and those who are super upset about what's happening, might want to just take a bit of a breather, because again, these kind of narrow the focus as to what the Braves can do to kind of make this successful off season. I don't question that at all, but I think that a narrow fo- focus isn't necessarily a bad thing. And there's also the chance that they could just make trades and just kind of, you know, go come out of field and do things anyway. just kind of the right now, I think the correct course for fans in general is just to be kind of is to be lukewarm. Like, oh, wow, this is a good direction. You know what I mean? Like this, th- there are positive things happening, but ultimately, it's going to come down to the big moves that they make, the the in the important holes they need to fill in the lineup, where you know again it's it's very top heavy right now, and they kind of need to get some lineup depth because right now it's get, it's a little dicey. But overall, my general take is I am optimistic, but cautiously so.
1: Yeah, that sounds uh, reasonable, Eric. Congratulations on that, on a reasonable take here on a Sunday, in November. And people
2: still yell at me anyway. And it's fine.
1: Yeah, that's what happens when you host a podcast or whatever we do on a daily basis. So uh, anything else going on in the world? I know we, we could have spent some time on the 40 man, but you've referenced it in passing. So I, I kind of let it go, but anything else going on that people should know about minor league stuff or something in your life or anything like that? Cause uh, I'm out of things.
2: Uh, I mean, I did write up a preview about the rule five draft, which has been coming up oh, on, yes. uh, at the, at on the, the winter way. on the winter meetings. Um, Braves did add some pretty high profile prospects to the surprise of absolutely no one. The four names in particular, they added Christian Pache, William Contreras, jaciel de la cruz they added uh phil pfeiffer was a name that we weren't necessarily anticipating but he also had like a really crazy year where he ended up like striking out a ton more batters made his way back into the as a starter after being a reliever for most of his time in atlanta um and tucker davidson was also added as well which wasn't a surprise either um you know the braves about 40-man roster is pretty full so i don't think they're gonna be making any moves necessarily in the the rule five generally you only see like uh, like a Dozen or fifteen like selections total in that draft, anyway. So it's not anything crazy there, especially with how full the Braves bullpen is right now. Uh, they seem actually pretty flush there, so they don't need to take say any flyers there. But I do have a primer up on the website that you can look at if you want to take a look at what's going on with Rule Five and what the Braves did and didn't do and who's who was left unprotected. That you know might be interesting, but the the, the short version is uh, don't I don't anticipate any Braves being taken. Uh, I don't think, uh, maybe Brad Roney, but that's about it. Uh, after that, you know, it's just kind of waiting what's going on in the winter meeting. So make sure you're looking at TalkingChop.com for the news. that's going to be coming out of that. There's going to be rumors coming out of that. Uh, my suspicion is that's also going to be kind of quiet on the moves front because that's just what the norm is now. Uh, and after that, just kind of see how the off season unfolds until we start working on the prospect list towards the end of December.
1: Yeah. Winter meetings are on the way and that'll be the next sort of big event I think it's like 12 days from now, 13 days from now, early December in uh, San Diego. In the meantime, uh, we'll be here. Please subscribe to the podcast. Um, Next week is Thanksgiving. I don't know what we'll do. Um, We'll probably record, but maybe not if nothing else happens. Um, I reserve the right of flexibility in the off season as well. I'll say about that on the podcast, particularly around the holidays. But um, the plan is we'll have a podcast every week or so. And uh, if we don't have one, um, we will break in obviously in emergency fashion, like we did last time with Will Smith. Uh, even if it's not me, and people seem to like me less and less. So uh, rave oh, reviews nice, for the uh, Eric and Scott podcast. I heard that. Just saying.
2: Say nice things to Brad. No, it's not You guys, it's no, funny.
1: Uh, there, there are he, fans he, that like all of has- us individually, or hate some of us individually. I know I could always see some mentions like people don't like me or don't like you or don't like Scott um, or, really, or really like one of us which is always funny and not like the others which is also amusing as well. The, so the, the,
2: the Scott love is my personal favorite. Uh, Shout out to Joe Carson.
1: Um, Joe Carson hates everyone but Scott which I appreciate.
2: I want, Hi Joe. I want all of you to find someone that loves you as much as Joe Carson loves Scott Coleman. it's hysterical. <laughs> I want that for each and every one of you. Uh, it's, it's hysterical. Uh, shouts out to Joe, too, because he's hysterical.
1: Yeah, shouts to Joe, and uh, go Cal Bears. Um, all right, well, that's enough on this podcast. We've done enough here, Eric. Thank you for joining me, as always. As for everybody else, please tell a friend or two or three about the podcast. Subscribe on every podcast platform that you can possibly imagine. Leave five-star leave five feedback as well. And we'll see you later on.